here. We're getting back in the flow of things with interviews through Zoom, and one of the best things that we've seen of wrestlers supporting wrestlers is Chikara's um, Saturday morning action arcade and Travis Huckabee stepping up, selling his original ring jacket to help support that Indiegogo effort. Um, we had a chance to sit down with Travis, catch up a bit, and talk about some of what's going on right now and some of the biggest moments wearing that jacket um, over the last couple of years. So tune in for this very exciting episode of Heel Turn Radio. For all the Chikara listeners out there, it's a little more PG-13. I did not rein in the swears. Um, sorry about that, but if you can, um, you know, please forgive the beard for any missteps. We hope you enjoy the interview. Travis Huckabee, welcome back to Hill Turn Radio. Good to have you. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so we uh, we we thought up the idea that we could talk a little bit about the the golden jacket and some of the the highlights, but it's been a it's been a rather long, weird day and week in in wrestling. I think that uh, you know we talked a little bit about Chikara working towards uh, you know doing some crowdfunding with the folks that. Um, you know, might not have kind of alternative employment uh, or, you know, need a, need a hand up during this. Uh, so we thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about, about kind of everything that's going on and what it's like seeing that as a wrestler and, you know, what it's been like, you know, just as a wrestler in general. Um, maybe, uh, maybe if you could talk about your personal experience, kind of how things are going, you know, what it's, what it's like not wrestling you know every weekend or you know every couple of days yeah that's been absolutely sort of wild for me um so i started training back in may of 2015 so coming up on five years now it's uh just shy of that so that's sort of been the thing that has defined my life for the last five years uh and suddenly the habit kind of disappear on me. I, it's been absolutely wild. I'm fortunate enough to be deemed essential. So I'm still able to make my, my income. If anything, I'm working more hours now than I did before the quarantine. But uh, to have been able to go from something where I was – you know, I was a wrestler. I was training a few nights out of the week. I had my shows. I had all these other sort of things to just going into. I'm working nonstop in this pseudo apocalyptic place, but it's not really an apocalypse because people don't believe in the apocalypse. And then there's the other people that do believe in the apocalypse. And it's it's been absolutely wild, and I'm sure you guys can relate plenty to it. Yeah, I mean, you, oh, go ahead, Beard. Yeah, I, what what is that like? I mean, I, I I know that a lot of our you know younger wrestlers or folks that have been in for you know maybe the same amount of time 
you know, they train at the academy and, you know, that's also a lot of times where they'll go and, and work out, even if they're not, you know, kind of working, uh, you know, through mm -hmm. um, things in the ring, but that's a real, you know, community. What's it like? Um, you know, I mean, every, everything aside, you know, whether, whether you uh, are loved or hated, um, you know, the Wrestle Factory is home to a lot of folks and, uh, you know, you can steer clear uh, as much as you want uh, when there's not a, a physical distancing in place, but, uh, you know, just not being around that same group of people. I mean, how's that transition been? It's, it's crazy. I, uh, still sort of putting words to it, but like I said, this was a part of, this was something that had defined the last five years of my life. And part of that, was the people that I was around, whether, you know, I considered them good friends or if they were just people that are there, you still grow accustomed to this sort of second family. And uh, that sense of isolation is just so wild uh, to not have these people any around, uh, around anymore. Uh how do you how do you feel that 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 vacancy I think we all go through where you have repetition and pattern and you have your passions and the things that drive you to even get through times that are so tough and then when as you said you find yourself isolated outside of that how what are you using to fill that time that void that's there for now if if I had a better answer, I'd probably, <laughs> I wish I had a better answer. Uh, like I said, I've been, I'm one of the essential ones. So uh, if anything, I've sort of been working just to occupy my, my thoughts, but something I have been trying to do an active effort at doing is uh, every day or so, I'll just try to think of a couple different people that, are a part of the extended family and I'll reach out to them, just make sure how they're doing. And it'll be people like I might reach out to like coach DeFarge, one of the other coaches at the factory, just see how he is. Or I might reach out to uh, a few days ago, like I reached out to Sage Phillips who, you know, I'm sure you guys know plenty well enough, but yeah, he's just someone that, uh, I sort of had that shared sort of interest in the type of wrestling that we like. But yeah, he's just like, I reached out to him. Uh, the other people at the factory uh, sent well wishes to people like uh, Masha Slamovich, who's sort of stuck in, not stuck, but she's over in Japan right now. There's people like Shaz McKenzie who on her flight to the U S for the Mania weekend shows, uh, that's when everything started getting shut down. So all of those people. So me trying to fill the sort of void going back to your point, filling the isolation is me just trying to reach out to people, even if it's a promoter that I work for every so often or people that I'd see multiple times a week. As far as my time, my energy, it's been occupying it with work and, you know, trying to find, you know, 
good causes that I can, you know, either support financially, emotionally, things like that. It was great to see Chikara put together the, you know, the fundraiser for, for everybody, you know, and, and I think that they announced there was like almost 90, 90 people that donated, which was just, it was, it was so amazing to see. And it's actually one of the few promotions that I've seen really kind of do that. I mean, I think that the Wrestle Factory is, is such a family, you know, to begin with, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, one of the other reasons, you know, why, why uh, Chikara I think is so special is that, uh, you know, that kind of translation from, you know, being a part of the Wrestle Factory to being a part of, you know, the show in so many different ways. Um, just, uh, I mean, how, how, uh, how is that, you know, different than some of the other experiences? You know, I, I found that uh, our wrestling community, we have, you know, we have communities we spend a lot of time in, but the wrestling community I think by and large is, is probably, you know, the biggest outside of our, you know, our shoot jobs or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, not, not seeing those folks on a regular basis is such a strange, it's just strange thing. Even just thinking about, you know, how to support the scene or, you know, keep people learning, you know, uh, Quack's done such a good job with that, doing some of the online mm-hmm. seminars. Um, you know, is there anything else out there that you've seen that you think is just a, a good example of that or anything that, uh, any any tape that you've been watching that uh, you feel like every uh, red-blooded uh, wrestler should be uh, studying up on? Oh, goodness. Uh, I'm trying to narrow down exactly what your question was in there. You said kind of a lot there. Uh, talking about things that people to do during this kind of void space or staying connected, I'm – I'm a little unsure what exactly you're asking. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm probably unsure what I'm asking too. I I think it's so hard to, you know, it's so hard to kind of wrap our heads around how, how weird it is to not have our normal communities. And so I think that we've been talking a lot about, you know, how, how do we do that and stay connected besides just kind of reaching out and like, you know, and keep that community vibrant. Cause I think there's the kind of the normal, like, mental wellness of everything and then it's like that feeling that you want to still contribute in some way or like share something that you would in yeah. you know normal community yeah um there's a few different things i've seen i don't know if you guys saw the clip but some time ago blitzkrieg pro one of the companies that i'll work for they did this giant mashup of the entire roster singing ironic <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was something that I think it was Jeremy Leary who sort of brought that about as just a way to kind of keep our little community there and just doing something. As far as uh, like Chikara and the Wrestle Factory goes, uh, you've got people like Dasher Hatfield who had the Royal Ramble tournament of just people cutting promos that was the sort of thing we've also done like in-house versions of that which is our roster and people uh that sort uh as far as me staying connected to the wrestling community uh mark adam haggerty our i don't i hate calling him our former ring announcer yeah but uh he recently uh put out couple social media seminars 
that are all online. They're very affordable. So that's one of the sort of things that I invested in. Uh, I'm trying to watch different sort of things. I still have yet to catch up on all of WrestleMania. <laughs> so there was a lot we, of it. <laughs> there was, it's, I was working both nights. So between that and the no audience thing and not having that community to watch it with, yeah, I've been sort of dragging my feet on it, but trying to watch things like that. I've been trying to watch different things. I, uh, last night I randomly got on a kick where I was trying to watch old Stampede wrestling. Uh, so that was a fun one. If I'm going to show for a second, um, have you ever heard of IPV video? Uh, perhaps there's so many places that so I've seen. They're, they're like, uh, they're just have like oodles of crazy stuff. Um, mm -hmm. They're usually like buy the DVD thing, but they started a Patreon. And mm -hmm. for five bucks a month, you just get open access to like 70 gigs of wrestling that changes every month. And currently, I am putting um, on my Dropbox 10 discs of the best of Terry Funk. And after that, <laughs> after that is Bulldog and Davy Boy in Canada and in England. It's just what it's called. And it's like, five discs and i can't wait to watch it because i'm sure it will be stupendously fun uh we, we watched we watched one not too long ago that was regal like young steven regal and it wasn't even steven regal he was like i can't remember uh, what the name was we died uh, laughing but he had like a, a oh man i know it i know it he was oh it was he, the name was weird it was steve something it was steven something no, his first name was different than this. He was looked like he was 16. He was so oh, yeah. skinny. And he, I, it was even before he was teaming with Robbie Brookside. Yeah, it's – I've got his book, and I know if I just dug it out, I'd be able to find it. And... The, ma the matches are super fun, but oh, yeah. it's so weird seeing him. And, like, it's like a different human being because he's so small. Like, he, he – and his hair – and just his baby face, fire up demeanor. If if you haven't done it recently, go find the match uh, he has with Goldust where they trade roles. It's <laughs> it's up on YouTube and it's only a couple minutes long, but you see uh, Dustin Rhodes go out still with the face paint and everything, but he's wearing Regal's gear and he's in the ring and he's got the mannerisms on point. And then the gold dust music hits and you see William Regal walk out. He does the entrance. He's got the wig. It's, he does full on gold dust. And it's, that's, so I swear good. it's only a couple minutes long. Go watch that. It's that'll put a smile on your face. If nothing else, just how uncanny both of them are. I'm always amazed, too, that there's, even in today's, you can find everything at your fingertips world. Like, I, I stumbled across this a couple years ago buying DVDs, the dead medium that I, that I still love. Um, and, you know, now I've just got gigs upon gigs upon gigs of just 
wrestling that I probably never would have seen otherwise. Um, so it's it's so it's so cool to be able to see that. It's it's funny you mentioned about getting all that uh all that content. Uh, I already forgot the name of the place you were talking about. I've had a few too many concussions, but uh, right before the quarantine happens, uh, I forget the name of it but there was someone who was selling uh basically their old world of sport collection oh, wow. so if you basically what you would do is you would reach out to the guy and order like dvds and this guy's catalog was ginormous he had uh so we had like them divided by show dates that you can pick from uh, or he even had it divided by uh, wrestler. So you could go on and you could be like, oh, I want the best of Steve Gray volumes one through 17, or I want the very best of Steve Gray volumes one and two. And it was like that with so many people. Anyway, uh, right before the pandemic and everything, I reached out to this guy and I got, I got Steve Gray, Johnny Kidd, uh, Jim Brakes. I think I got a Cat Weasel one in there, Wes Kellett, there's Zoltan Boschik. There are so many of those guys, but I ended up buying, I want to say, 12 different DVDs for a grand total of about twenty dollars. Oh, that's amazing. So that's I uh, such a good deal. Yeah, so my original grand mustache twirling scheme was that so this guy was coming from uh this guy was out in the UK. So I had ordered them, uh I shipped them to uh Shea Fu. Uh I don't know if you guys have the pleasure, but he's one of the guys who had trained with uh, with Fight Club. He was over. Uh, he did a couple Chikara shows back this past this past spring, but yeah, he was coming over for Mania Weekend, so I had shipped to him in Wales, and then oh. he was gonna come over with my collection of old World of Sport DVDs, and then. I think in his trip, he was going to spend a few weeks in Philadelphia. So we would have just made the exchange there and saved all the money on the shipping. Yeah. That was the, the master scheme. That's a heck of a scheme. Oh, yeah. It's, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. That's, that's how you work it. My, my plan is to, is to take all these ISO files, and we have a friend, Casual Doug, and he's – writing a program so we can convert them to mp3 and then i'm going to put them on plex um i'll have a giant wrestleplex it's already right now full of five dollar five dollar wrestling and cartoons so um once i get it up and running i'll have a secret wrestleplex to uh share with friends and foes alike so Which they can uh, be exposed to all of this just amazing stuff that's out there oh yeah which is the best because every time King talks about his goddamn WrestlePlex, I'm thinking of like 
holding a show at the WrestlePlex. So when he's talking about this, if people don't know what they're talking about or what he's talking about, it just sounds like he's constructing like, you know, a, a wrestling arena in his backyard or some shit. And if you know me, I, if I constructed it, you would want to stay away from it. It'd be super dangerous. Would it be building codes? Yeah, oh gosh. It'd be a fire hazard for the whole neighborhood. Oh God. Does that smell like spray paint over there? It smells like burning toast. <laughs> I'm having a stroke. With as much spray paint primer as I use, probably. You just get a truck from Walmart of expired meat. <laughs> Grill it up. I mean, we can't do that with the with the tax return this year. I mean, whatever we're gonna do. Uh, yeah, I mean. I'm not tiger. I'm not Tiger King feeding it to people in my tra- my personal trailer park, but I'm sure I can grill it and sell it on sell it on site, brother. Oh, oh my God! His, his stinking pizza joint. <laughs> uh, uh, oh my God! Uh, I I don't. I'd rather not spend too much time talking about Tiger King. <laughs> I have managed to completely avoid it thus far and like spent my time doing, uh, you know, no, not more noble things, certainly. But uh, I just said, do I, I, do I really, do I really want to watch this? I feel like I should because it's so insane. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm okay. I, I think there's enough insanity in my life right now that I can, uh, I can do, I can do. Here's, here's something you can do. I'm not saying you have to do. Because every single person on that show uh, who still has all four whims is like a terrible person. But They are. It's true. Um, but something you could do is watch it and just imagine these people as wrestling personas. <laughs> because it's, it's amazing. It's, <laughs> it's only like one degree of separation from any crazy 80s wrestler yeah i would say we know promoters like this oh yeah we we we've worked with them um and as as commentators and it's yeah i watched tiger king i was like yeah that's we know people like that yeah it's that could be a fun little thing but again they're all terrible people yeah yeah yeah, I've seen enough of the memes of like the like Brady Bunch thing, you know, and it's just got like, you know, this person filled in or like the name of a town or something, you know, like all the different suburbs or, you know, neighborhoods or whatever. So maybe we'll, yep. maybe we'll have to do that so we could do King. Maybe we'll hey, have to do a, If uh, you're going to watch it, we should watch it together six feet apart in the driveway <laughs> and white claw. We'll just white claw it up. Um, we'll stay six feet apart. Just like last it's, weekend. It's really easy to binge. It really yeah, is. It really is. Because every time you're like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to watch this anymore. Or I'll put it aside. You're like, but I got to know what happens to so-and-so. It's, and they just, I hate how compelling it is. You know, it's first you think this thing's wild. And then it was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> one of his wives. Wait, one of them? Or like, <laughs> oh, yeah, but her husband. What? <laughs> they're they're very good at saying at just leveling up and it's that watching is, the worst sort of 
progressively more and more batshit crazy. It, it it's does. Like, it's like cops on steroids. <laughs> all, all right, this this enough of Tiger King. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that you did, which was really awesome in all of this, you know, that we talked about a bit is, um, is, you know, kind of put your, uh, your golden jacket, you know, the, uh, the pride of the, uh, the Huckabee clan up, uh, you know, first, first, uh, time out as a wrestler all the way through, um, the JKI. Um, and, and we thought, you know, we could talk a little bit about some mm-hmm. of the moments in that. Cause you know, one of the, the things that, you know, we've loved uh, is is back when Vlad was you know commentating and and he uh, he got rid of some of his jackets. You know, a couple of mm-hmm. our crew bought them and we all you know took a picture together with Frito Band in Chicago and uh, you know had our Vlads from other dads uh, photo. Uh, but uh, you know, I I think that it's it's such a big part of your look and mm-hmm. you know like a lot of those jackets, it's like you know, it was like, oh yeah, he was wearing that at Top Banana when, yeah. you know, the first women's, you know, champion was was crowned. You know, for mm-hmm. you, you've had such a, you know, a meteoric rise in a lot of ways, but also, you know, just like shifting a lot, you know, from where you started to, to where you are now, a full-fledged member of the greatest goddamn stable in Chikara history. Um, I mean, how, how has that been? You know, I mean, you talked about five years kind of nonstop. I mean, what, what are some of your favorite uh, moments? They may not have to be the kind of crowning achievements, but, uh, you know. Uh, you know. I'll, uh, I'll start right at the top because this is the one that sort of comes to mind. As I was, as I was training, I think everyone sort of hits that point where they're thinking like, okay, yeah, I, I think I'm ready. Uh, I want to, I want to, I want to wrestle. I want to do this thing. Uh, so some time was going by and I don't know how many conversations you guys have had with quack, but maybe, maybe he mostly can, online. <laughs> with, he likes to, he likes to go about things a certain kind of way. So there was a day right after, uh, there was a day right after we finished up one of our classes and he goes to me and he makes a comment, just like, you should get a jacket. <laughs> what? This is what, this is what you, 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 you know, Steve Gray, right? Yeah. Get a jacket like he does. <laughs> okay. That's like the most like wonderfully like particular particular Mike Quackenbush, you know, He's, like responses. <laughs> if if I had a single word to describe him, it'd probably be persnickety. <laughs> I love that word. That's your word for the day. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm a little awestruck by this. He just told me to get a jacket. I'm there just like, and he starts to walk away. And finally, I come to my senses like, what color? <laughs> And he's just like, I think gold. Yeah, I, I forget if he said yellow or gold. I was like, get a gold jacket. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that was, 
that was the first kind of hint I had that I was going to be wrestling soon was quack mysteriously telling me to get a jacket and that it ended up being said jacket, which was actually a pain in the neck to find. <laughs> so that, that's my, that's my first story, which I think is appropriate for it. Uh, couple other stories I've had it I had it when Solo and I won the Campinados and then almost immediately lost them I you guys saw the story that was on Twitter but someone had tweeted out when I was talking about auctioning off the jacket that they sat behind they incidentally sat behind me on a flight to orlando uh for that mania weekend that was down there and in my mind uh i could not throw that jacket in my bag i could not throw it in my carry-on um because another thing about that jacket when i first got it uh it was so wrinkled you could probably find some of my first promos where my jacket is just crazy wrinkled. Uh, it got crazy wrinkled and like fire ant ended up coming up to me and just telling me, it's like, that looks like crap. Like uh, get it ironed. So I was afraid of ironing it because of the material. So I tried steaming it. I tried a few different things and I couldn't get the wrinkles out. Finally, you know, manned up and sorry, I uh, don't like that phrase. Uh, screw gender norms, but I, I, you know, toughed up and uh, I decided to try ironing it and it works. So that point on, I decided that I was going to take such good care of that jacket that I would never have to go through that again to try to iron it because <laughs> God forbid I burn it. Anyway, going back to the flight, I either I think I wore the jacket going through security, uh, took it off on the flight, and I sat on the flight with it in my lap for the trip. It was it was such a beautiful like it was such a beautiful story, you know. And he was so he was so particular about, or they were so particular about it, you know. It, like the tweet was like. He did not check the jacket. He did not put it in his carry-on. He held it carefully folded in his lap the whole time uh, like a sleeping puppy. <laughs> that was like the best thing. You know, it's like, it was like, don't wake him up. Like, I know we got to go soon, but like just a couple more minutes, you know, it's like such a, like such a beautiful, like, you know, caring way to describe, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It seems uh, like, a, like such a funny thing, you know, that, that, you know, just a piece of ring gear would be that much. But, you know, when you're coming through or people are seeing you for the first time, it's such mm -hmm. an important thing that, you know, like, I'm sure, I'm sure also, you know, Fire Ant being Fire Ant, you know, like Fire Ant comes over and says something to you. You're kind of like, oh, like, you know, it's like Quack mm -hmm. saying, buy the jacket, you know, him saying it looks like shit's you know it's about as about as heavy like oh i would like i need to get this shit figured out <laughs> yeah 
it's one of those things that if they say it, you don't really have a choice. You got to do it. Yeah. Uh, there was, there was a period of time when, uh, when Gulak would just randomly hit me up and tell me to do stuff. It's like, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. And it was funny. I had people, I had people like going up to me. It was like, why are you cutting a promo right now? We've been at the factory for the last like eight hours. You know, it's cold out. Why are you standing there cutting a promo? Because Drew told me to. That sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just one of those things, you know, take care of your jacket. Yeah. I, I do think I checked it when we went to England though. I do think I put it in my bag for that. Because that was King of Trios, right? In Wolverhampton? Yeah. Yeah. That was a long flight. Yeah. Bryce still owes me a coffee, by the way. <laughs> I, uh, I switched seats with him on the flight. We'll, uh, we'll have to remind him when we, when we talk to him. I, I, feel like, uh, I feel like him being trapped out in, in Lancaster is uh, you know, a good, good opportunity to, to check in and see how our favorite ref is doing. Yeah. I, I love the videos of him like with his son. They're so good. It's like such such pure like happiness and like just like, joy from from wrestling right now. It's like where where you can get it since you can't go out for it is uh, is also just it, it, when you land on something like that or see something like that. It's just uh, really nice to have that uh, that moment. Yeah. There's been some people actually absolutely just crushing it, whether it's people like Warhorse who are uh, making some of my favorite videos on Twitter. Um, so nice little plug this past Saturday for the, our episode of Action Arcade. He was live tweeting along with it. <laughs> That's and I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. And seeing uh Warhorse live tweet uh live tweet some of these shows talking about Max the Impaler or whoever else it was, it was it was insane. That's amazing. How have the uh, action arcades been? It's it's been fantastic the sort of response we've been getting from it. There's uh, our team has been putting in so much work into it, uh, whether it's the people figuring out the audio or just editing everything together and, you know, the ridiculous commercials that you see on there or any of the little interstitial segments, be it one of the factory made things or, uh, or really anything. Uh, some of our really inexperienced guys going out and doing their thing, you know, they're overperforming in some of the things. Uh, I am currently undefeated in action arcade. Ah, shoot. No, I'm not lost. the boomer. <laughs> I'm undefeated in tag action on action arcade. Three, three episodes in you gotta, you know, <laughs> you gotta take this yeah. where you can get them in wrestling. Yeah. But it it's all the more reason why, you know, I did want to 
sort of do that thing to help those guys out. I, uh, bringing this back to the jacket, I remember some time ago, Hollow Wicked was auctioning off one of his masks to raise money for, uh, I think it was a little girl getting spinal surgery. I don't know if you guys had seen that. Yeah. Uh, so when I saw that, that's when I sort of had the idea of auctioning off my jacket if I ever found a cause that seemed appropriate enough for it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those things that just felt worth it to me. I, uh, Me personally, I'm not overly a materialistic person. Uh, you know, I've retired that jacket not too long ago. Uh, I know I had it in my grand championship match. I know I had it when I fought Tracy Williams for the IWTV title. I don't think, uh, I think I had it when I wrestled Santel at uh, Uncharted Territory. Yeah, I think um, so. So I think it was right after that that I sort of retired the jacket. You know, I've got all those nice little memories and everything. Uh, which is, I don't know, which is why I was okay letting it go, which is why I thought it'd be, why I'd be able to get something out of it to be able to help one of those, those causes. And again, I'm couldn't be more grateful to you guys. It's uh, I mean, when I think, I mean, outside of, you know, the similar tights, uh, uh, of fist, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, when I think of you coming up and really like a lot of those moments, I think about, Johnny Kidd Invitational coming out like the jacket. It's such it's such a distinct look, and I think it just mm -hmm. was so it was so defining for you making the transition. You know, being recognized, um, you know, for doing other things in the ring to uh, you know to wrestling. Um, that I think that that was um, it was so cool to see that that change. You know, I mean, just as suddenly as as Quack saying, you know, get a jacket. You know, it's like you put that jacket on, but then, like, the longer you had the jacket on, the more and more you were Travis Huckabee, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool, it's a really cool kind of defining thing to have a part of your ring gear be, like, so consistent. I don't know, you mm -hmm. know, there's, you know, Chikara maybe more so than other places can say that, but, uh, you know, even more so, you know, there's there's been different looks for the ants and there's been different looks for, you know, hollow wicked and Frightmare and stuff. But, uh, like, you know, it's, it's a pretty long period of time that Travis Huckabee is, is, uh, the jacket and the, the towel yeah. around. The neck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, some of that comes from a mentality that was sort of instilled in me when, uh, Gulak was still around. He was talking about, I think he was using the demonstration for a lot of the older Japanese guys, how they all had their one color and that was their sort of branding. You had Masawa who had the green and white. Uh, wow. I'm just blanking out now. Yeah. 
black and Tawai. Yeah, the yellow and black for Kawada. Kabashi uh, was orange. Yeah. And then um, uh, oh, who's the fifth? The guy who should no, be. Oh, white blue. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of his name all of a sudden, which is really disappointing. Not Tenru. No, Tenru, not Tenru wore black and yellow, and then Kawada was his understudy, and he wore black. Yeah, I always thought of Kawada as the yellow and black. Yeah. Um, Tenru wore black trunks with yellow on his butt, um, and uh, Jumbo was just all black. And then he just had the rings, the Olympic rings on the back of his jacket because he was, I think he was a medalist in the Olympics. what is his name though? It, it'll help. Red, but the guy that was Kobashi's tag team partner for so long. The light blue June. Right, June Akiyama. That's it. We got um, it. Yeah, he should be, in my opinion, he's the fifth pillar, and that's yeah. why it's so frustrating when I can't remember him because he was amazing. Uh, yeah. So all of those guys. So that was the example. Those guys had their color. They had their look. Uh, and that was sort of something that was associated with them. So when I started off and they told me to get, like, the yellow or the gold jacket, I did my best to, uh, like, okay, I'm either going to wear yellow in my promos. I'm going to wear the jacket. Uh, so I tried to sort of maintain that look. Uh, even as the – characters even as my work has evolved and everything you know i still try to keep the yellow just for the sake of that the times i have the gold boots or uh i could have my other gold jacket that's you know embroidered and everything now uh but that was sort of something that i tried to keep consistent for that sort of thing you know the gold jacket the towel around the neck or even Arn Anderson had either the red and white or the white and red. It's all he wore. Ah, oh, man. Except for oh, those sweet, sweet shades. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a boss. Ah, oh, man. Indeed. I always think that your, like, ring jacket and the towel reminds me a lot of, like, the Brain Busters. Mm-hmm. With that kind of just no-nonsense, very classic look, you know, no frills, just – all, all, yeah. thrills, all thrills. Yeah, it uh, it really translates to my style and everything too. For my offense and everything, I try to keep everything simple and understandable. Uh, my stuff works because, or my stuff looks like it works because it works. And I used yeah, that uh, example, like Mick Foley talked about that. And I can't remember if it was in his book or an interview, but uh, I use it when, when I'm talking to students about um, like displaying information. You know, he said, you know, I, when I would watch these videos, I would try to figure out how they were doing this without getting hurt. And then I realized that like the stuff that looks real has reality to it and Mm -hmm. like when i started to do it i made sure that that there was reality in all of the things that i was doing and if i could you know make people ask how that was done 
and think that I, you know, it, it didn't hurt or that it, you know, wasn't something and it looked so real that it couldn't be real. That was like the real illusion. That was like the real kind of craft of the thing is, is, you know, to, to be able to kind of um, make it so easy to understand or so easy to, to kind of believe that you, you kind of suspend your, your disbelief um, and like making moments like that. And I, I, you know, I, I teach design like architecture. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, you have to like, gravity is real, you know, water is real. Like you can't just make it look like it stands up or make mm -hmm. it look like it won't leak. Like you actually have to do these things and you have to know these things well enough that you can make something that looks so extraordinary that they're like, that couldn't possibly, you know, that couldn't possibly work. But like in that moment, that's when you like realize those, those kind of details are what makes everything so, you know, spectacular about, you know, any, any piece of art, you know, mm -hmm. musical or, or, you know, interactive. Mm -hmm. Um, so the other thing I had to ask about, because, you know, Quacks mentioned it a couple of times and we, we threw some things around on Twitter uh, back and forth about it. Have you had a chance to watch um, and thinking about kind of performing without a audience? Like, is this like a big watershed moment where we'll look back and be like, wow, like people realize that there could be these, you know, things that aren't just the, you know, empty arena match on halftime heat but there's really you know something out there to be explored in professional wrestling um that doesn't necessarily have to be um you know huge audience because the rest factory isn't ginormous you know mm -hmm. um compared to some other venues um but it always feels so big you know and in that there's like there's such a like great um kind of storytelling that you guys do in the ring and you know on commentary that make it feel like it's a big arena you know and so mm -hmm. uh so going back i think the question was initially about the possibilities with like the empty arena yeah it's i think now is a really interesting time uh i was having a conversation with a friend the other day about you know the return of sports and you know, the possibility of them having like a closed, a closed stadium thing. And I don't think that's an invalid thought. Like, sure, it stinks that they're not going to be able to have like ticket prices and everything like that. But even just watching an episode of AEW, I think it might have been last week. Uh, also, today's Wednesday. I haven't said that yet today. Uh <laughs> But anyway, watching that episode of AEW, and they had the tiny little uh, crowd on the side of just their own sort of people. I think I saw people like Danny J. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, oh my God, I'm already blanking out on their names. But yeah, they've had uh, tons of different. It'll it'll like come to me, them. but yeah. Uh, even like the small crowd that they have of like their own sort of inside people that made for a very interesting experience i think people like uh pardon the pun but i think uh baseball's next uh next at bat for you know their season 
But I think you could have like a viable possibility of like, let's say it is an empty stadium. You could have it like that. If you need audio, why not just like mic up the the dugouts? Yeah, I'd be really interested in watching a baseball, listening to the people in the dugout, like as they're playing as that own separate sort of commentary. You know, you could have people from inside the organization sitting in you know a section of the bleachers just so that you still have something yeah uh people that you could regulate you know make sure that they're not whatever 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 (laughs) so that's a possibility i think it's it's going to be a really interesting time for sports as a whole but professional wrestling to explore those things I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Like I said, I haven't seen all of this year's WrestleMania, but uh, from what I hear, like the Bray Wyatt match and like the Undertaker match, those are two things that didn't have an audience, but because they didn't have an audience, they were able to, you know, imbue that match with, a lot more let's say sports entertainment kind of yeah kind of things to sort of enhance it it's uh it's really interesting because in <clears throat> like those two matches you know um in comparison to some of the the wrestling i mean the wrestling's it's it's bizarre because we're just experiencing it different when you're watching you know WWE with no audience or AEW you know, like that scale. But man, there the quality of the wrestling on this year's WrestleMania was astounding. Like there was some matches that I would put up you know against some of the best matches since like WrestleMania 30. Um, but it's so it's so interesting that those two kind of cinematic. Um, matches have been the things that people, you know, attach themselves to because they are like so visceral. Like everybody had that experience of watching that for the first time together. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's such an interesting. Quack was talking about it a bunch on on Twitter. Um, you know, <coughs> asking uh, who would be writing a PhD thesis about you know this kind of uh, spectator sports in the era of no no spectator, yeah. like how it changes it but um yeah i don't know and i know i think you haven't watched wrestlemania yet have you ben have you watched wrestlemania i've watched some of it i've seen those two matches and and for me it felt like one of the rare times um that wwe did not punish you for your want of continuity and long-term storytelling Um, where they're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to throw this out the window. Instead, it was very much like embracing it, especially the Bray Wyatt match, where they literally took a deep dive into every little nuance, and it worked. I mean, it was really, really entertaining. It was very fun. And they barely took any bumps. They just told this incredible story. It was so much. It's such a fun it's such a fun thing and then with such a exclamation point at the end it felt like it had heavy meaning to it as did the undertaker match 
I mean, how often have we gone around the last couple of weeks and say, please don't bury me? Um, <laughs> because it felt like it had multiple meanings. It was so funny in the way it was delivered. And then the hand up from the grave, you know, sticking out from the uh, Don't dirt. spoil it for me, all right? Oh, dude, I thought you'd seen it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, just, it's all right. You kept it, you kept it vague enough for me. But. There's just something really brilliant about that, not to mention the way they can cover for in the Undertaker's match, so to speak. They can cover for all the physical deficiencies a 50-year-old man has. They don't have to spam finishers for three minutes and call it done. You know, if you, they shoot it like a movie, and he looks like a badass. I mean, he looks like old-school Undertaker because they're able to hide all that and make it look like, like an action film. That's yeah, I think over the next few months, we're going to see a bigger sort of split between wrestling and sports entertainment. And I don't think that's a bad thing, especially when you can see just the contrast in it. You could have these things like, again, this is just speculation, but I'm sure the Bray Wyatt match had some ridiculous stuff in it. Just what I know based off of the two people in it. So you can have that and turn it more and more into this theatrical sort of thing. And that'll stand out more when it's placed right next to the wrestling. And the wrestling, when you can get really good wrestling in there, that'll stand out more. And it won't just be the same old sort of stuff. I think I'm optimistic about it. And I, and I really think for the first time, it felt a lot like they were trying to do wrestling as art rather than just here's two guys they're fighting over this and they're fighting over rusev's wife you know which is just that's their idea yeah and it's just kind of like ugh. Um, so i i know we talked a little bit about this before but uh before we started recording but man just all the best of rusev aiden english all those other guys seriously uh, drake maverick uh, Zach Ryder and Hawkins, Gallows, Anderson. Yeah. We just signed for a lot of money. No way, Jose, Mike, and Maria Canellis. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, Epico, Primo. You know, like Sarah Logan. Yeah, I think that when they stopped, it was at like twenty, twenty or twenty-three people, and that's not including the producers. It's not including the writers. Finley. Hurricane yeah. Helms, Lance Storm, uh, was it Shivani, the referee? Uh, oh, uh, Chioda, Mike Chioda. Chioda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since 1989. 89. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know that, you know, in some of these cases, there might have been conversation about what was going on or people that had been asking for, you know, there's a number of people that had asked for releases previously and the E wasn't going to do it, but yeah, man, waiting until right now, it just, it feels like after they've just had this moment where people are like, you know what, the, the E is really looking at, you know, different ways of thinking about wrestling and we're talking about it like waxing philosophic and it's like, ah, eh, you know, and then we just, uh, you know, for the good, for the good of the business, we had to uh, you know, let all these people go. 
everyone's everyone's got their reasons. I'm not gonna completely bash someone or another, but you know they have, they had to do their thing, and it's really unfortunate for those people. And yeah, just all the best for those guys. They they really put even the people who weren't uh, as seen as apparently they still committed their entire lives, uh, you know, to professional wrestling. And that's more than a lot of people can say. These people that, you know, that's their dream. That's all they ever want. These people are actually doing it. So just all the best of those guys. Well, and the hope is that they'll find once, once things return to some semblance of normalcy, all of those oh. people are immensely talented. Mm-hmm. The hope is they'll find their way into to the NWA, to AEW, New Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love to see them go to places like Noah that was just trying to rebuild. Or all mm-hmm. Japan has been on has been on the rise for a while now. WXW, Progress. The beautiful thing is right now, Chikara, the beautiful thing is there's such a breadth and scope of really good wrestling that's not the WWE that people can go find work and if they put in the time they're going to be seen and they can mm-hmm. make themselves into a commodity yeah i i do think that with how talented some of these guys and girls are they're they're going to go on and they'll do they'll do some spectacular things but as far as today goes, maybe this week goes, it's really unfortunate. Yeah, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of our apocalypse land right now. Yeah, it really is. That, that feels like a, uh, a bad end. Of all those people that you, uh, you saw let go, or other people that are out there, uh, who, uh, which three do you want Fist to punch in the face at next year's King of Trios? Yeah, like I gotta end it on a light note, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, I would love to see a Rusev Day reunion. Oh, that'd be beautiful. That that would be something. Uh, Rusev, Aiden English. Uh there's so many. There's so many talented people there, though. Yeah, so many. Uh. So, again, the one that really comes to mind is Drake Maverick. Um, so, end on maybe a light note of that subject. Uh, I have not had the pleasure of meeting uh, of meeting him, but the one story I know about Drake Maverick was that when we uh, – it was a story from Quack, and the time we had Rockstar Spud at uh, King of Trios – I guess there was someone in the locker room who was being very difficult. Like they didn't want to do something or another. And, uh, you know, Drake, who was a guest for, who was a guest just like the other person was, who wasn't like a normal part of the locker room. He just stands up, yells at him, just do as you're told. <laughs> That sounds like such like a, a like spud thing to do, you know, based on all the stories about him. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's him. Like he didn't have to do any of that, but 
for him to just kind of stand up and put the person in their place. Yeah. Good dude, Drake Maverick. Yeah. Especially like at trios. Trios just like feels so celebratory that you kind of like never think about it being, you know, kind of this weird, uh, you know, mishmash of people and personalities and egos, you know, even though, it, you know, it totally, I'm sure is some years where there's a lot of, you know, outside folks, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's also, I think sometimes just good to have that kind of perspective where it's just kind of like, wait, listen, we're here with like all these crazy, amazing, like Joshi wrestlers that like you never get a chance to wrestle or, you know, WWE or WCW, like legends or, you know, like everybody else or like, amazing people like like drake maverick and it's it's always like such a highlight of the year because you never know who's going to be there and like you know all of the kind of dream teams are facing up against like all these other you know mustache mountain and you know everybody you know it's so send that girls the yeah. i forget the name of the team but pco katarina water yes. ray buck and hair Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and change my answer. The the trios team that I wanna face next round is Rusev Day and the tank that Rusev drives out on. Yes. I'll wrestle a tank. Seriously. Like uh, what, if what if it's a tank driven by a bear? A Russian bear. <laughs> I'll pile drive that bear. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. It, uh I the Action Arcade crew can do some fantastic things. I don't know if they can CGI a tank, though. <laughs> it might just be, uh, you know, a few students holding a cardboard cutout of a tank just around him. That sounds, that sounds amazing. I feel like you can get a little one like uh, Shotzi Blackheart had. <laughs> I love the idea of him, like, driving that out like a big wheels. <laughs> I think he would be down for it. I do too. That's yeah, he why he seems like the kind of guy who would. <laughs> so that that's my fantasy booking for King of Trios. That sounds awesome, man. Well, this versus Rusev Day in a tank. We'll just uh, we'll get the we'll get the WWE to send up the SmackDown fist, and you guys can ride that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, well, they're not using it anymore. Yeah, come on. Probably just There's sitting up in a warehouse. Yeah. Well, seriously. Get on, get on up the, in a, come on. It's the least you sitting guys. Sitting up in a warehouse wedged right between. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, what are two really obscure references that I could pull out right now? The Mantar um, costume. My <laughs> Bastion Booger's thong. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> the gobbledygooker's egg there, there's so many though I feel like I had one or two really specific ones that are just blanking out on me right now May the dumpster Rosie's garbage can <laughs> oh man well thanks for jumping on man I, it was it's a lot of fun to kind of relive all of that and and you know I think we've always really enjoyed your wrestling and, you know, seeing you win the, win the titles and then lose them immediately. Even though we do love Los ice creams, uh, that run that, that the fist had and, and the storyline with you guys going up against, against Willow and Solo is just, uh, you know, a real highlight of the last couple of years. So. You never know. There's a, 
Icarus and I have a point. We just need two more. Is Icarus going stir crazy not being able to get bad tattoos during this? <laughs> uh, he's still got a leg, right? You know, I mean, you got got more real estate. <laughs> oh man. I uh I like to think he's occupying his uh that space of his his mind by buying hideous, you know, dad shirts. <laughs> by dad shirts, I mean like those really, really bright Hawaiian shirts. Yes. <laughs> he's got a he's got a collection. I'll let you in on that. <laughs> Maybe he can wear one out on the fist next year. <laughs> Maybe it'll be Rusev Day on a tang versus Hawaiian fist. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It'll be even better. It'll be Hawaiian punch. Oh we'll get, we'll get Cabana Man Dan on the team. <laughs> Thanks. Icarus, Travis Huckabee, and Commander Man Dam will be Hawaiian punch. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think we could end on a higher note than that, man. That's that is uh, some dream booking for for everybody out there in uh, in uh, Chikara Land. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Thanks for uh, participating in the Indiegogo campaign and. Uh, spreading all that around and trying to do something positive. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we appreciate you guys, you know, getting out there and supporting each other. I think we're all trying to find ways to do that, you know, especially if we have a little bit more security. So it's, it's awesome to see, you know, folks in the wrestling communities out there supporting each other. Mm-hmm. think I could sing, huh? Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? It's my brain on your wedding day. It's a free ride when you've already paid. Just in case. And who would have thought it figures? <laughs> Safe. Was afraid to fly. He packed his suitcase in case things could go bad. He waited his whole damn life to take that flight. And as the plane crashed down, he thought, well, isn't this nice? And isn't it ironic? Don't you think? It's like rain. Yeah, life is a funny way 
Helping you out when you think everything's gone wrong and everything blows up in your face. Traffic jam when you're already late. A no smoking sign on your cigarette break. It's like 10,000 spoons. And all you need is a light. Where did you get that? Meeting the man of my dreams than meeting his beautiful wife. Huh. And isn't it ironic, don't you think? A little too ironic. And yeah, I really do think. When it's already Life has a funny way of sneaking up on you. Life has a funny, funny way of helping you out.